Welcome to the Roundtable at Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church, a podcast of discussions with substance. Join our staff and leaders of our church as we journey through topics that inform, engage, and inspire the daily life of our church. Welcome to the Roundtable from Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. My name is Jay Clark. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And I'm Abby Maynard. I'm the pastor of Community Ministries. And I'm John Robbins, one of the pastors. I'm Kathleen McMurray, one of the pastors on staff. Today and next week, we're going to be talking about two sacraments, the two sacraments of United Methodism. And we're going to start today with, uh, with baptism. <clears throat> so one of the questions that has come in is, what makes baptism so special to each of you? Uh, what makes baptism so special that it's considered one of the two sacraments in our denomination? Uh, and what does it mean to be baptized? Well, I mean, the two sacraments we have in the church are those two things, basically, if you will, mandated or ordained by Christ, go and make disciples baptizing and take and eat and drink. Those are the two commands, if you will. So they're set apart for us as sacred and holy. I think for me, baptism, the most significant thing in baptism for me in my own baptism, even though I'm, I was baptized too young to remember, uh, is that it's a public declaration of who I am and who I've always been. It's kind of like a coronation. Uh, when someone uh, ascends to the throne, immediately they're either queen or king, but there is a, a coronation event at some point later on, which is simply a public declaration mm. of who they already are. And I think that's what baptism is for me. It's a public declaration of who I am or whoever is being baptized has always been. They belong to God. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, it's uh, a chance for us to acknowledge that in a very public setting. So, yeah, I love the, um, the image in Jesus' baptism of the voice coming down from heaven, you are my beloved or this is my beloved, depending on which gospel you're reading. Um, in, in him and you, I am well pleased, and and that that claiming us um, as as beloved and claiming us not only as as individuals um, as beloved children of God, but then we are then part of the family of God, right. um, and 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 that community, mm -hmm. um, and for me, that's just that's at the center of faith um, that we are children of God, that we are claimed and beloved by God and that we are part of the beloved community um, and that that's, that's so important. Mm -hmm. I think it's the community aspect that really um, is one of the cool parts to me because especially when I was trying to explain baptism uh, at my previous church to our youth, that was one of the things that uh, stood out the most and was the easiest to explain also was that they are already loved by God, and, and, and we know that, that, that God already loves them and that grace is already available, but this is their opportunity to have an entrance um, and this way of being part of a community in a new way. And um, I remember it was compared uh, in a video that we watched to like jumping in, the, jumping in the pool, like this is your entrance, everybody else is already swimming and you're getting to like join the party. Mm. Um, and I love the the idea that baptism not only is a recognition of what God has been doing, but it's the first chance to really make 
commitments a lot of times between the person who's being baptized and the community of faith of saying, we're in this with you and we're so happy that you're part of this with us. And I love that connection going both ways. United Methodists have different ways of baptizing. Um, you can be baptized as a child. It's not a christening. Right. Uh, right. You can have adult baptism mm-hmm. or, or baptism as a teenager in confirmation or whenever you feel you're ready. But you can also, uh, there are United Methodist churches that have uh, it, it, baptismal, mm-hmm. immersion, for immersion baptisms. Right. Um, why, why do we do it so many different ways? Because there are some denominations that it's only you have to go under the water you know for us that's uh that's not as important i think that's a great question because i think people ask that a lot and i think for us it's meaning over method uh and we believe in essentially three forms of baptism immersion uh sprinkling if you will or pouring and actually uh in the church even to this day because the vast majority of christians on planet earth are roman catholic the primary form of baptism is pouring or sprinkling mm-hmm. uh and yet there are a lot of people who get worked up over the fact that if you're not fully immersed it doesn't count i think in the eyes of god uh, baptism is baptism one way or another i always tell the story and i've preached about it when i was here that i had a seminary professor who's been dead a number of years, but he was a he was a medic in the Second World War, and um, there was a soldier who was uh, severely wounded and soon to die, and the soldier grabbed him as a medic and pulled him down. And my seminary professor thought he was going to say, "Help me, help me," and instead he said, "Baptize me, please, before I die." And he said, "I was not ordained. I was not commissioned by the church. I had no authority, if you will." But he said, I picked up a glob of mud, put it on his head, and said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then he asked our class, do you think in the eyes of God that was a legitimate baptism? And the soldier then soon died. And we all said yes, uh, because it's the meaning uh, over the method. And so I think that's always important. You know, when, back when churches had cathedrals and that kind of thing, which they still do to this day, a lot of them didn't have a river close by or anything else in which to immerse, so they moved to... Uh, a baptism inside the church and the sanctuary itself. And I think God's big enough to recognize the sacred and holy act, whether it's done one way or another or another. So, Well, that, that the, the grace of God uh, that we celebrate in baptism, uh, the grace of God for the forgiveness right. of our sins, is not limited by the amount of water that right. we possess. It transcends <laughs> all of that. That's correct. I mean, yes. right, like it... Imagine, you know, you're in a desert um, where there's not a river running through or what do we do we think that God says, well, you know, too bad. (laughs) You can't get baptized. There's no water. Um, I mean, (laughs) that it's not limited by the amount of water. Um, Now, I I did have a seminary professor who who used to say when you when you do baptize by sprinkling or pouring, make sure that there's a lot because God's grace is a lot. but uh, but God's grace is not limited by an amount of water. Right. A very reassuring fact. <laughs> I mean, I think so. <laughs> right. Right. Well, what if <clears throat> one of the questions that uh, and arguments around uh, mm-hmm. a lot of United Methodist circles, uh, because there are some that even within our own tribe, yes. so to speak, right. believe this or don't believe this, but is rebaptism? Right. 
And why why don't United Methodists rebaptize? I think our primary reason is because if we were to rebaptize, first of all, Scripture says one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Yes. If we were to rebaptize and we put so much emphasis on grace, what God's doing in the moment, it would be as if to say he didn't take the first time. <laughs> so we got to do it again. So that's the primary reason. We put a lot of emphasis on remember your baptism, which, of course, for someone like me who was baptized as an infant, I have no recollection right. of the baptism actually itself. So to remember my baptism is, is to remind myself of what happened, whether I cognitively can recall it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's the primary reason why we don't rebaptize, because such emphasis on what God is doing in the moment, it would, it would uh, somehow seem to indicate that it didn't take the first time, so we got to do it again. We're mark, we talk about being marked and right. claimed by God in that moment, and we don't believe that mark rubs off. So to rebaptize would be almost to say it rubbed off. We've got to try yep. and do it again. Yeah, and... and- and the fact, too, that um, I, there was a controversy in the Catholic Church recently um, because of the words yeah, the wording. Uh, Correct. Right. that, that right. were being used. One priest, didn't they have to rebaptize yes. all the people yes, because he said, he had, we baptize. We baptize yeah. versus I baptize. I baptize, right. Um, but, um, but that there... The baptism, I, I don't think that that would happen in the Methodist right. Church. Um, <laughs> I, but because it, it isn't about... Um, it isn't about us who are doing the baptizing. Um, you know, if, if the clergy person who baptized you is defrocked or leaves the denomination or whatever the case might be and is no longer a pastor, it doesn't mean that your baptism is invalid. Right. Um, you know, because, because like you said, John, like it is God who is making the mark we believe in this act. Um, And surely if there's a certain criteria regarding the, the, uh, status of one's sin who has the uh, participating in the act of baptism, then that eliminates most all of us. Most all of us, yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I mean, I think that goes back to why for us, again, baptism, age is not important either. Now, obviously, if someone's old enough to make a determination for herself or himself regarding baptism, they speak for themselves, and that's a big deal. They're being initiated, if you will, into the life of the church. And they are being marked and claimed like anybody else would be. Uh, so that's important that they, they make that public declaration themselves. Obviously, a small child, particularly an infant, is unable to do that. Mom and dad and the church do it on their behalf. And then the onus is on us as the church to remind that child the rest of her or his life what happened in that moment. Uh, and I think that's a big deal. And it means that baptism is not just the responsibility of the presiding pastor, if you will, but it's everybody in the church's responsibility. Community. Yeah, community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to what Abby was talking about a moment ago about being a part of a community, diving in, if you will. Uh, we're all in this together. And that's why we have liturgy where we ask the yes. congregation to respond. They're as much a part of that as anybody else. Mm-hmm. So age is not, for us, is not the determining factor with regard to whether or not one can be baptized. What What do you... what? What do you all say to people? Because human beings are their worst enemy. Right. And so you have someone who is distraught and that feels so strongly that they, they don't remember their baptism. They have led this life that they're not proud of. And then they make this change and they come to, to one of us and they say, 
I, I would I want to be rebaptized. Right. right. I want to start life new. Then how? What would you tell someone in that moment? Um, I mean, honestly, uh, you know, I don't know if I could be defrocked for this, but I wouldn't necessarily, I would not say that I would baptize them again, but I would go through the act and say, remember your baptism. Mm -hmm. I don't have any problem with the act itself. I do, I do believe, again, it goes back to, I am not going to publicly state in some way or infer that God didn't do it the first time. Right. Well, and and I think that there's, there's a power in that too, in saying... God did this right, right the first time, right? So that if ever again, yeah, <laughs> you screw up to the point that you need to turn your life around again, God's still going to be there there's, as well. There's nothing that you've done that could go so far as to right. cover that's what right. God right. has said. Exactly, and I think that's a great point. I've known people that've been baptized 15, 20 times, right. literally over the years, because they commit some kind of grievous sin, they're ashamed, and they want to be cleansed, if you yeah. will. For us, our understanding what baptism means is different. It's not just being, well, that was John the Baptist's Mm -hmm. baptism, if you will. Uh, And uh, for us, baptism is all about what God's done and what God will continue to do in a person's life. So I don't have a problem personally with, if I were in uh, the Jordan River or somewhere like that, if somebody has been baptized, going through the act itself, but I would stress Remember your baptism, even if they don't cognitively recall <laughs> right. it, Anyone that who, they have been. Who makes the trip around to the other side of the world and actually right. gets in that cold water, right. they want to hear yeah. the name of the Father. I've got, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's right. Yeah, and I've never been to the River, Jordan River, but I, I can only imagine, and I, that's important for people, but it's also important for people that we emphasize what baptism means for us because not every tradition is an agreement on what baptism means or how one is baptized so and i think that that has an effect on then the rest of it right that that our unique theology of baptism that it is god's grace given to us once for all that we believe that god is calling us beloved even before we can acknowledge that. That fits into our theology right. of grace right. and our understanding of who God is and then into the way that we live and interact with people and lives in the world. If if you think that every person has to make a cognitive decision to be considered beloved right. um, versus I believe that every person, you know, is is... God is reaching out to them even before they can understand it. That changes the way that we view other people. It changes the way that we view the world, and it changes the way that we live as children of God. And, and there's not a not a right or wrong, right. On, right? on the age. I mean, you know, I have parents that say, "Oh, we've we've just made a mistake. We've waited so long." I said, "Doesn't right. matter." Right. Right. I would agree you know, with that. I mean, Absolutely. Like for us, uh, we lived in Nashville when Quinn was born. And we were, I worked for the denomination, so I wasn't really plugged into the right. church we attended. And that, I mean, the community, it was fine. It was a good church, but I was like, there's going to be something else later. Right. And so we let Quinn make that decision when he was confirmed. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, I got to do it. Right. That's cool. Right. Which you wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't have been able to do right. that, yeah. you know, when he was yeah. born. And so that was, you know, special for me. And, uh. Uh, because it's all about of course, Yeah, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well, and also to, to the other point, we also don't have the theology of baptism that the Catholics do. Right. Um, or and, and it's changed a little bit, you know, 
looser than the initial Roman Catholic theology, right. but that like, you know, if if a baby dies before they right. are baptized, um, they will not immediately right. and I, heaven. I, I, and, and that, yeah. you know, We're, that is not part of our belief. That, that's enough. a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, that is. Podcast. Yeah, I have a lot of opinions about that. I also think in some respects, as United Methodist Christians, we are unique in that we recognize one's baptism from another yes. Christian yes. denomination. So if somebody joins our church, let's say they're 38 years old and they were baptized as an infant in the Roman Catholic Church, if they've been, we don't rebaptize right. them. We don't say you have to be a part of our denomination as long as it's a Christian denomination. Now, the United Methodist Church took a stand um, a number of years ago um, that if one was baptized in the Mormon Church, that they have to be baptized in the United Methodist Church. Mm -hmm. That the United Methodist Church does not recognize a Mormon baptism. But you know, in the Roman Catholic Church or the Baptist Church, Lutheran Church, whatever Presbyterian, whatever it may be, if one has been baptized, even non-denominational churches, uh, then we do not rebaptize them as an initiation, if you will, into our denomination. They have been baptized, and we believe God did the same thing in that. The power of God, not that, with the correct right. or the denomination. Right. That is correct. I mean, I was baptized in the Catholic Church. Right, right. Um, ah. So now yeah. it starts to fall into <laughs> place, doesn't it? I screamed throughout the entire thing. Apparently, except for when they put the water on my head. So as we're wrapping up uh, this topic, um, are there baptisms you have performed that come to mind? That are uh, would interest our viewers. You know, when I was in Houston in my previous <laughs> church, and it was it was really cute because we had a couple that moved in next door to Susan and, and me, and uh, they ended up joining the church. A lovely young couple, and they had a little boy who was about three years old. And so, after joining the church and being a part of the congregation for a while, they said, "We want to have our son baptized." I said, "Great, let's schedule it." So we did. I said, now, we went through, you need to be there at this time, ahead of time, and we'll show you where to stand and all those kind of things. And he came in, and he had a squirt gun with him. The little boy did, the three-year-old. And I said, oh, that's cute. What's the squirt gun all about? And she said, well, we tried to explain to him that he's going to have water placed on his head, and he and his daddy fire off squirt guns and that kind of stuff. So he's here just in case he gets to shoot off his squirt gun, which I thought was super cute. So when he was baptized, he held his gun and his squirt gun in his hand, and we baptized him and had water on his head, and the congregation loved it. Uh, that's one I just think was really special because for him, uh, in his little mind, I thought, you know, he really does in some way get it. It's about uh, water being placed on his head, and this is a special moment. Uh, so, I, I mean, I've had some other strange ones, but that's probably one that was special to me. So, Any come to mind? Um, well, as you mentioned, there are some Methodist churches that have baptistries. Right. Um, like Baptist churches, where there is a large place for an immersion baptism, uh, fully going underwater. Uh, when I was a youth, we called that the pool. The pool, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah, yeah, right. Um, and I've done, I've officiated baptisms yep. in pools. So have I. Um, yep. And a river. Um, but one time, we wanted this person wanted really wanted it was a youth in our church really wanted it in the worship service, mm -hmm. um, and we brought in um, a. a clean and new horse trough 
um, and filled it up with water. Mm -hmm. um, and we had the baptism. It was amazing. It was powerful. It was on Mother's Day, and her um, mother was just so excited. Uh, but then we had to figure out how to get the giant horse trough of water that weighed out tons of the sanctuary. Out of the sanctuary. Um, and and that, that was quite a feat. <laughs> Anything? I uh, had a really special baptism uh, just recently, actually, right after Thanksgiving. Um, I got to go down and see my mom's family in Texas, and they are um, viewers from there. And my grandfather, who's in his 80s, had never been baptized. Wow. Oh. So I got to baptize him oh, in in their kitchen uh, with our family standing around, and I got to welcome him into the family of Christ and, and as a member of Pulaski Heights, which was um it was so simple and and just so cool um, to get to be a part of that. I think one of the most special moments for me uh, was a uh, remember your baptism. Uh, when we took the group to the Holy Land in March, uh, our son Quinn went with us, and to stand by the Jordan right. and to take the water and say, you are my beloved son, yeah. if you I am, wow. oh, please. That'd be a crier. Yeah. I'd cry on it that was, one. It was very, yeah. very powerful. I think for me, the most important ones, are uh, for me just personally, were baptizing my grandsons. Yes. Obviously. Uh, and at some point this spring, I'll get to baptize uh, Sadie Sue, my granddaughter. Those are the most special. They're not, uh, and um, I mean, those are the kind that you remember right. always. Well, and I remember the remember your baptisms too. Mm -hmm. For folks, um, there's just this unique part of when we are a part of this congregation and we get to know people and their stories, and to know when you are giving them that shell or making the mark on their forehead when they have been told that they are not a beloved child of God. Um, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. and that when you 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 give them that, and you you are you are a beloved child of God. You know, and for years we said, uh, remember your baptism right. and be thankful, right? Uh, especially on the on the shell Sunday, right? You know, right. remember on uh, the baptism of the Lord Sunday, but <clears throat> this past weekend when we did uh, the shells. I, I don't know if you all said, what did you say upstairs? You are a beloved child of God. That's what we said in Wesley Hall, too. And there was a visceral reaction. I mean, there. I didn't get, I don't remember reactions like that to hearing, you know, uh, remember your baptism and, and be thankful. You know, but to, to, to grab someone's hand and say, you yeah. are a beloved child of God. Um, there, were, there were people who were, who went back to their seats weeping. So anyway, that's that's uh, that's baptism in a nutshell. <laughs> oh gosh! Uh, so uh, next week, I hope you'll tune in because we're going to be talking about the other sacrament of the United Methodist Church, which is communion. So I hope you'll tune in. Uh, if you have questions about Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church, we hope you call the church office. Uh, we're available all the time to answer your questions, or at least we'll find someone who can answer them. But in the meantime, tell somebody about Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. Amen. Mm -hmm.